welcome to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, where we do remember sometimes that the mic is in fact always hot. Sorry, Tim Peel. <laughs> or at least we edit. That yes, I do have Absolutely. an edit button on Audacity. Heavily. Unfortunately, <laughs> Tim Peel does not have an edit button. Uh, we'll get to that later because it's no, but he has. You know, until until very recently, he's had a boss and support staff that doesn't really let the buck stop at his desk. So. Well, I mean, they did punish him for having drinks with Greg Wyshynski. Yeah, every time he's been punished, it's kind of been, we'll throw you under the bus so we don't we avoid looking in the mirror, uh, and we can just quickly move beyond this. And now that so. he said the quiet part out loud. Yeah, but I mean, he was. What what he said was really what every fan knows, or every you know most fans have kind of figured out by now is that the refs, like refs in other sports, really try to control the games, really try to at sometimes make it about themselves, at other times. They think they have an edict from the league or they actually do have an edict from the league and they're just following that. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, but eventually it comes down to during the Batman era, especially from the rule changes beyond, referees became infallible, uh, were empowered, and uh, that's a combination that usually leads down to a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of petty revenge calls, and and uh, and then I think you know. Let's be honest. Bettman was hiring refs who were who would be yes men, who would follow what he wanted and what you know Colin Campbell, whoever was running the refs at the time, wanted. It is Stephen Walkham now. I mean, people yeah. know. And that, whoever. But... So whatever. You know, they weren't hiring good refs. They were hiring people who could skate that would follow their agenda. And that eventually catches up to you in all as- aspects. And that's what we've seen with the goalie interference stuff and this and that. And it's just become clear that the NHL is not a good steward or manager or owner of the officiating or legislating of game moments, whether it's plays under review whether it's suspensions, whether it is, uh, you know, handling referees or the rule book. I mean, it's a shame that for what Bettman's good at, which is, you know, expanding, which is some PR, which is getting some casual fans involved, you know, the All-Star game has been a good, you know, event. You know, he's good at putting on events and shows and schmoozing and, and some things like that, but he's... And, you know, some of his deals have been good. He's The, the Sun Belt teams have been good. But he's been bad at negotiating contracts, treating players, player safety. You know, there's a long list of things that he hasn't been great at. Um, and I wish there was a way to separate, you know, the NHL league office and things under his purview um, with kind of a more independent, autonomous body that would really have the good of the game. Uh, I, I know a lot of people say that, and that's kind of a weird But then thing. I have to bring up this counterpoint. 
Then you have IFAB, and you have the offside rule and VAR in soccer, and it becomes a complete disaster. I, okay, I'll, my point on Tim Peel is he said the right. quiet part out loud. We all know that referees call the games even so that, in other words, they don't get crap from coaches or GMs if one team gets six power plays and the other has none. Even though, I mean, you watch some of these games, right? You're watching the Panthers when they're just dominating somebody or the Avs when they are out shooting a team by 35. Uh, one team's going to take more penalties than the other team. And yet the game gets called pretty evenly. And that's what happens in every sport. It happens in the NFL all the time. It happens in soccer. It happens in basketball. I'm watching March Madness, um, both the men's and women's tournaments. And the officiating at times is pathetically terrible. And it's all sports. But the one thing I think all sports fans kind of know is that this is how officiating and by and large works, and we accept that, and don't say the quiet part out loud, and Tim Peel well, got caught no, in the hot I, light. I think, I, I think that is an understatement and an excuse on what the NHL and Gary Bettman has allowed to fester in the last 15 years in this league. I mean, we, like... It's kind. I mean, at, the refs should be accountable. They should have to face media questions and scrutiny. Um, there should be, you know, actual performance reviews and investigations into, you know, refer. I mean, the end of the story is we're now betting real money on the NHL. They need to start fixing some of their shit, including their their injury reports and, you know, Barkov getting marked out three minutes before and some of this stuff when people are betting money and yeah. stuff like... I, I 100% agree with you on that, uh, specifically on the injury front. That is a huge so, issue with the NHL when it comes to betting. But, I mean, there's a lot of impact uh, uh, across the board. Um when it comes to what refs can control when things are on the line uh, or just over the course of a season, you know, consistently calling things uh, certain ways. Um, and I'm one, I'm not saying that refs shouldn't manage a game. I'm not saying call the rule book exactly how it is. I, I don't want to see everything be a slash and all this stuff. I'm, I just think that, there needs to be a clear standard an acceptable level. You know what I mean? Like, what can you get? Like, what are we, what what does the, what you're trying to say is, what does Stephen Walcom, what does the league office, hockey ops, what do they want to really define as like, we can't do this. Do, is it stick infractions? Is it hits on the boards? Is it goalie interference? What are the kinds of decisions that you want to make in terms of what are we Ending up and saying, and it's we don't want X, Y, need, and Z. And it's obvious what they need to better define, like goaltending interference and things like that. They need to tighten up and make clear, more clear, certain areas of the rule book. Put, put forth a statement as a league of what they intend to be the, the standard. I think now, based on what we've heard, I think it's incumbent on the league to get out in front of this and put forth what is the standard fans should expect from officiating, and then what they're going to hold that, like, officials to, 
and then doing it and following it up. I mean, we've been on this podcast, I don't know, for four or five years talking about how um, linesmen have just been terrible at dropping pucks. Like, that should be, like, there should be things every year that they try to improve upon. And there should be workshops, practice, you know, clinics, whatever, camps, whatever they want to call it and do to, to make these guys better at it. But, I mean, this is their job. And I'm all for giving them better pay, better benefits, you know, strong union um, and all of that. Uh, but I just want them to... I, I'm sure they do take it seriously and everything, but I want them to take it seriously in a different way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, put it this way. There is no better time for the NHL to get some of these things with officiating uh, right and fix them than right now when everybody is yeah. looking at I, them because the referee said the quiet part and, out loud. And this is, And I understand that. I mean, this is all with the understanding that referees are always going to suck or – whether you want to look at it the other way, people are always going to have problems with officiating. Wh- whichever one you want to believe, I, I, I accept that to be true. Both are the, correct. Be You're never going to get perfect. Can, and even if you had robot refs, they would still suck. Right. And, we can, I, and I don't want robots. I'd rather have imperfect humans than imperfect robots. So, or even perfect robots at the end of the day. I'd really just... Well, you'd, you'd open one, up another can of worms with robot yeah. umps and, or, and artificial strike I mean, zones. Like, That's been a complaint in baseball. Like, let's just be honest and let's get let's put the referees and linesmen and stuff are the way that they put, put, even put themselves on the ice. They get in the way of the flow of play. It used to work at the beginning when, the, like, when they figured out, all right, we, we have two refs coming onto the ice with a rule change, blah, 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 blah. Let's put them here and there. Well, the game's gotten so fast and it moves so fluidly. It, those aren't good positions anymore. The, you know, like those types of things, it needs to evolve to match the game or you're quickly going to have a game that's too fast, too quick for these officials to, to, to ref. And you can say, well, then, you know, it's not really their fault, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you need this to work. You, uh, you Tim need Peel- to- well, the other thing is, I guess for the league, it quote unquote, helped that it was Tim Peel, a guy that right. has already been under a ton of scrutiny, so you could yeah. easily throw it's, him under the... And he was apparently retiring at the end of the season anyway, so it's not like, you know, the NHL is going to... I, I think less than a month. Something like that, yeah. I like, well, was April do, something. Wisinski made, made, made a really funny joke. I'm going to go find it now. Uh, basically, I, I actually, I think I liked the tweet. Let me Let me go see it. You can always tell Tim Peel was a quality ref because he's got as close to working the later rounds of the playoffs as the Atlanta Thrashers did. I would have replaced it with Florida Panthers, but close enough. Um, by the way, as Tim Peel has been fired, we do have to honor uh, now, Tim Peel's greatest, uh, greatest addition to NHL officiating history, scoring a goal with his crotch against Roberto Luongo. You remember that? I do, and now the... He tweeted about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And they initially counted the goal, but then they took it off the board because the referee can't score a goal with his dick. There, there's a lot of different... I mean, they shouldn't have taken off the board. That it, I mean, the refs are part of the game. That just happens. But anyway, I mean, I was happy at the time when they did. <laughs> Weren't we all? But, you know, with... With Peel out, I think TJ Luxmore, aka TJ Sucksmore, um, aka who 
who who will be the next Tim Peel when he finally grows up because he looks like 15. Um, you know, he's now the official ref of my disdain. Um, Olaire, there's a few others that are pretty close to, to taking that crown. Um, well, I always but, just remind myself, I always remind myself when I see bad hockey officiating that it could always be worse. You could officiate a soccer game, and I have yelled at soccer refs more than I've yelled at think of any other I'll, sport. I'll, I'll say this about soccer refereeing. They are never in the way. They are always well, in the Well, it helps that the pitch is huge. Position. It, but it helps that they are in better positions. But even when they're in, they navigate those areas when they come under fire in play a lot better. They navigate putting themselves in better lines of sight of the. There's of also, I play. think, I think football officials do a good job it, of that, you know, because of how many yeah. of them there are and where they set up. It, well, that's always. But if the NHL adopted that, I mean, what's stopping the NHL from taking one official? off the ice and putting him into the stands, into a, a spot where he has a good sight I have always wanted the league fish. to have an official in the booth. No more for, stuff behind the play and not stuff Not just like video, that. but videoing, but I think eye in the sky kind of things would definitely yeah. help. And it wouldn't, and it wouldn't have to be... Save space. Uh, you, These guys are getting bigger and faster every year. Like, so who do you take off? Do you take off a linesman or a referee? Because, I mean... I mean I take off one of each, but that's me. I I, I don't think they could do you that. Start with you start with the ref because for the most part, for most of the NHLs, it was two linesmen and a ref. Anyway, yes, I know. So, so it's just I don't easier. even remember when they added. First, the second, first I think you're right about the second referee being added when we went to the new rules package after the lockout. But yeah. such is the way it is. So congratulations, Tim Peel, for being the sacrificial lamb because you said the quiet part out loud that everybody I already knew. Bet was happening. You he made out fine underneath the table. Ah, uh, well, also, I mean, the other resolved, thing that I, the I, other thing that I, I, I will always away. mention about this is, uh, oh, by the way, that was a deep drive to left by Castellanos, um, that remember the mic's always hot kids. I mean, it helps that I'm a broadcaster and I, I know this and I work on hot mics all the time and these referees don't necessarily, but even the best of us sometimes forget that the mic is always hot, but, but the I mean, mic's I'm always be, hot. I'm going to be honest that same similar thing I've heard on mics. I've heard from NHL players. I've heard from NHL coaches saying that this is what have refs have said to them. I we've seen Colin Campbell in emails say these exact things, and there's never been any people being removed. That's before. right. It was been those Colin Campbell emails when they were I think, uh, subpoenaing him. You know, I'm not going to get into a whole cancel culture or anything like that, but I will say that there is. There is a little bit of truth to the fact that if somebody gets fired, it is a good way of getting the news to die down and for this to quickly turn over. It is, I mean, the there's story a is different now that Tim Peel right. fell on the sword, you know, right. as opposed yeah. to if he didn't. The league had to fire him. I mean, there right. was no, yeah, no choice after yeah. based on what happened uh, last but, night. You know, but. yeah, the, the narrative changes, you know, it's just. Let's just be honest. It's it's bullshit, but that's how it is. But it is. But that's how a news cycle works in the day of social media. That's just it so, is how it is. Know, and unfortunately, that's what's going to happen: is people are going to lose jobs instead of real change actually happening. Sacrificial and, lambs. But I hope that. But I hope lame. because we're all talking about this, in in the way that we are talking about it, you know, we have to hope that the league actually does this now. 
What this might mean is you're going to see a game with one team having six power plays and one having one. Maybe you see that more often and everybody else and screams about that. But then it's like, well, you wanted the rule book to be called as the rule book, and now you're going to have that. And it might happen. Oh, well, actually, it'll happen when the Avs play the Coyotes again because the Coyotes will never have the puck. Uh, we'll get to them a little bit later. Uh, did not expect to spend 15 minutes on Tim Peel, but there we are. Uh, I am honoring another Maryland alum. Use that edit button. <laughs> I'd say, well... It was a good discussion. I don't have to edit that bit yet. Um, let's get to things that do not uh, involve referees saying the quiet part out loud. Uh, and I also wanted to say off the top, I wanted to do a guest show last week, but I didn't. But I did hope you enjoyed uh, my interview for my other show I do about um, out people in sports with uh, with Bane Pettinger, who uh, agent uh, represents Morgan Riley, um, TJ. Uh, I was about to say TJ Brody. That's wrong. Um, oh, <laughs> Oilers. Oilers, my man. Uh, Tyson Barry. Why did I get those mixed up? I'm sorry, Bane. Uh, he was a great guest. Uh, I really loved talking to him, and you should listen to that show if you want a little insight into his world and a little insight into the agent world, which is obviously great, because that's a world I don't think we learn all that much about. Uh, but he's one of my favorites, and any time I can talk to somebody who's out in the hockey, he's great. I encourage you to listen to that. In place of last week when I wanted to have a, a guest on this show and I couldn't, let's, let's focus on the Panthers, and we're in an interesting moment now with the Panthers. There are some things I we're going to talk about, but obviously number one right now is Barkoff, and we are recording this after we know that he's not playing today, the day you're listening to this. Um, and I had a couple of thoughts about this whole thing. Uh, the first thought I had is, actually, this isn't really that bad, because yeah. it does, well, let me explain why I don't think it's that terrible. Because as long as it's not serious, and right now all the indications are it's not terribly serious, but it shows me that they know, okay, we're practically in the playoffs it would take an act of god to miss it and it's the panthers so of course act of gods can always happen uh the, the hockey gods are always angry at the panthers but they know that if barkoff's not fully healthy why risk it at this point you need him in may and that's that was my point of that now we'll wait to see how long right for. but i mean there's bark barkoff has continually played through things and lingered and uh, it, it's I can never downplay or never, like, even the phrase, it's not that bad. I'm just very weary of saying. Because well, like, last year, I think he clearly played well, through some I mean, sort me, of injury. Yeah, but, I mean, let's just be honest. There's no center depth behind him. For yeah, well, this reason, was the other thing that I was well, going to mention well, that yeah, let's you are correct get, about. Yeah, well, and some of it's self-inflicted. I mean, they knew that Barkov was going to be iffy all day, and what did they do? They sent their third-line center to the taxi squad. I hated that. There's a lot of monster management things where I can kind of excuse it, but that was inexcusable. But th- I mean, and this wasn't played a, like it too. And it wasn't a. I don't like. I don't know if it was a roster management or what, but I mean, it didn't help the cap. They put more money onto the cap. They put. I mean, he, it's not like it. Lou Australians cost less than Henestrosa, and they put Henestrosa and Connolly back. You know, like what? I I don't understand why they did that. I mean, yeah, it's, pro- I it's mean, probably it's probably because he has an entry level and he does not need waivers to go down. But and that again, might be why. But you know, you if you're worried about Barkov's health or whatever, why are you? you who I mean, they you're don't. 100% have, so correct. That's how you end up with. Acharya is a first-line center, uh, which is just brutal. Like the 2014 Panthers, they and, were awful until the yeah. end of the game. Then they and a and bit I mean, better. I'm starting to work. I mean, what Q has done, Q has obviously done things well. 
I mean, a team wouldn't be where it is right now if Q wasn't somewhat good, right? Everybody mm-hmm. accepts that. So now that we've accepted that we can move on and just talk about, you know, Marchman as a center, Marchman getting fed top six time as Tippett, you know, and Denisenko and, and Hepo and stuff. Yeah, get, you know, yo-yoed back and forth. Um, you know, a, a love of I don't understand why we we paid him to show a million dollars because he's Quinville's guy, uh, and that worked out pretty well for Forsling. But I, it was I, it was yeah. really I wanted to a quick detour on Gustav Forsling if if you don't mind. Um, sure. I asked Corey Snyder, who is obviously one of my favorite people uh, in the hockey world. He's been on this show many times. He he always has a thing about Gustav Forsling because Quinville loved him when he played in Chicago. And he lives in Illinois, so I think he's seen him play at Rockford, too, Blackhawks AHL affiliate. And I never understood why Quenville really liked him. And then I joked him, like, is this the best he's ever played? Because it's really funny. I was not expecting this guy who they got on waivers is, you know, to actually be kind of good. And he's been well, kind of good. And I don't understand. It, it came out of nowhere it, to me. It doesn't surprise me. Like, I don't – like, this is why it's so frustrating to me and, like, why I'm, like, just ready to go off is – it's because the coach trusts him. It's because when he makes a mistake, the coach puts him back on the ice. It's why Vitrano is, does well. It's because when he fucks up, he gets to go in the shootout later. It, it's maddening that that he, he gives confidence and second chances to the worst players like Marshman and stuff. And I, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but comparatively to what Dennis Anko, Tippett, and what these other players... Duclair is the big one. Yeah, Duclair, Australian, he's what they the can give you. And I mean, I know what the issue is with Duclair. We've talked about it forever. He tries to go around the outside and stuff it. Well, he tries to deke it into the net. He doesn't shoot anymore. He has a good shot. He should be shooting. If For all the people who complained about Barkov and Huberto passing up shots and whatever, they're still some of the best shooters on the team and take advantage of their shots more better than any of the wingers on the team. Um, and, you know, the, to get Duclair to score, you play him more and you just put give him confidence to be should, shooting one-timers, to be taking shots off the rush and saying, I'm going to keep playing you as long as you keep, you know, I'm going to give you more power play time. I'm going to do this, but you got to keep shooting. You gotta take shots from you know the home plate area. It's hard to shoot Instead when your center's Nolachari. I'm gonna be honest. Right, but I mean this has been a this has been a problem all year for Duclair, um, and you know the issue isn't just you don't just sit him. I don't understand why he doesn't bother coaching good players and he tries to coach grinders or people he has a hard on for. I really don't get it. Why isn't Nudavari in the lineup? I mean now we're talking about a day where not only Barkov was taking maintenance days, but five other Panthers were taking maintenance days, or four other Panthers were taking maintenance days, and they might be ready for tomorrow. And I and we saw some of those names. And they're older, veteran guys who have not always played well enough to stay in the lineup, who, who should have been rotated out. Because now if they are out, you're going to have guys who've, who are going to be stepping in and playing who are going to be taking a period to get up and running again. And this is why they and you know that's why they have slow starts in the first period and give up a lot of the first goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, all behind. I, I will as I said, the, the lot of the thing was what pissed me off more than as much as as much as I have not been a fan of top line Mason Marchment 
and I have not been a fan of that. And I know you hate it when I do this, but I have to bring it up. It, it, it is Mason Marchment is by nowhere near as bad as some of the utter woefulness that has been in recent Panthers teams. He's better than all of that. He should not be playing any top-line minutes at any point, and I agree with you. But the low-sterranian thing annoyed me more than anything else because they knew that Barkov probably had a chance to not play, and yet they put him on the taxi squad, and you can't take him back off the taxi squad once you put him on there for a day. So that means they went into a game with one fewer center, and they played like it, and it's, and it's utterly stupid. That kind of thing annoys me. And obviously, you don't, we don't, you don't need us to tell you about Ryan Lomberg. There are and then they don't even has put, done that yeah, has you know, obviously you know that have obviously been bad and some of these are 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 gripes and others things are like it cost you a game as it did last night because the Blackhawks are bad let's be honest they also don't have centers their number one center right now is Pius Suter let's let's not and I mean they've had a ton of injuries too and we should but, say that but, but they're getting the team to play well and because I mean there is a good. P- podcast the pdo cast um with mm-hmm. jack Hahn, and they and it it's kind of funny they're you know a lot of stats people and people who you know do um you know data and stuff and then get more into like the coaching and you know the video aspects they kind of back into some of these tried and trues that maybe they i don't want to say they attacked but they ne- necessarily didn't believe uh in the beginning um and, and and a lot of that talk was not only about how pucks in deep was actually a good thing and dumping the puck in was actually good, but uh, that the spirituality and, you know, the kind of the intangibles of belief, confidence, um, you know, keeping it simple, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is on a team. When things are easy... Um, when things are positive, it's a lot easier to learn something or to hear new information or to adapt. And that can have a spreading effect. And if, you know, you get the right pieces or if you're doing the right small process things, you can really get everything moving in the right direction. And when that happens, you know, everything comes easy and it, you know, it, that's how teams become like go on runs and win cups. I, I think it's funny because I, I don't see it as much in hockey because of hockey personality things. But I mean, you watch other sports where these coaches get like cults of personality. Soccer is a big deal with that. You know, and I know you watch soccer and a lot of you who listen to this do. And you watch coaches who have like those cults of personality and it definitely affects the teams and how they coach them and how they give them. You know, those opportunities, it happens some in basketball. It really happens in football and soccer. And in hockey, it kind of does, but on a much lesser scale because of hockey culture and other reasons. And I, I do agree with you. The culture matters, and when you keep things simple, it makes it easier. And particularly with this generation of athlete and the way they're wired, it's just so different. And the players have so much more influence and power now than they ever had before. So that also, that also changes the dynamic. And you can see that, you know, Joe Quenville is usually pretty good at that. Right, like he's he is usually good at that man management aspect. That's but, the phrase I mean, he's using. What in, was what was his beef coming out of Chicago was, except with the younger, more talented guys. Well, it wasn't even that they were more talented. Is this that I think that he and Stan Bowman never had a good relationship, but they always found a way to get. Because remember, like if they didn't win in 2013, 
the cup. Like, it looked like Quenville was going to get fired. Let's say, remember, you know, that overtime what, game against I mean, the, the I, Red Wings. But that doesn't seven. really have anything to do with the fact that he's just adverse. Like, him and a lot of coaches are just adverse to playing more of the skilled guys. Or for whatever reason, their shortcomings are more, more magnified. I think that's – I think as much as it – as much as Quenville is guilty of this – I think that's a hockey coach problem. But it's not. It doesn't matter. It just does. Like it's a problem with him, and it needs to stop because it's hurting the team. And there's nothing you can say or do or whatever. Like, if if he's not going to play those guys, you have to trade them and bring in a guy like Malkin or a guy like Lane or somebody who is going to play because they need to score and they need to win hockey games right now. And if he's, you know, like this is, we're at the point where they can't keep pussyfooting around because yes they have some look we started saying that they had you know the playoffs are secured so they don't you know have to rush Barkov and stuff but they can't get that mentality I mean the one thing going for them they have this year and what's been really driving them is that they want to win every game they're fighting for every puck you know they're working for everything and if they start getting the oh well we have some gap we have some room you know all the you know I there's just so much that I just th- that they started. They're co- they've been coasting a, uh, for a while, and it's starting to slowly catch up with them. You know, as you see Jeter regressing to the mean, as you see, you know, their their finishing ability regressing to the mean on this team. As you see, you know, some of their players like Gudis and Strawman, uh, Yandel, you know some of the guys that you were getting some acceptable play from starting to come back down to the mean, you know, Hornquist, et cetera, you start to see, okay, they, they do need to rotate more guys in. Quinville hasn't been doing that. That's going to take a while. Um, you know, they do need more talent. That's just, you know, if Quinville's not going to, if Quinville's not going to play the Dennis Ankos, the Hepo Niemis and the Tippets, and stuff at this point in the season, what, who will he play and how can you go get them? Because you're, we are a couple months away from the negotiating window of Alex Barkov's, Alexander Barkov's contract. And we're, and, 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 and we're talk, and there's rumors of the flat, the Panthers being in on everything from, uh, Marcus Nudavara for Jake Vertanen, which barf, I want to just die. Please don't do that. Take on more money for an ECHL forward. Oh, God. Um, and then I didn't hear that. There's a, ton of, there's a ton of rumors about, you know, everything from utility centers like Riley Nash or, you know, getting a guy like Eric Stahl to – um, you know, even a guy like Ryan Getzlaff, but they got to do something like they have, like, and not something like trade a first for Blake Coleman or something. They have to figure out a way to get talent into this lineup. They, they, they have nobody who shoots away from the goaltender. They have everybody who shoots at the goaltender and tries to shoot it through or be like, just rip it and, or just shoot it as hard. I mean, the one person who can maybe give you that is Owen Tippett, and the I can't believe he's not on the first line right now. 
I, I just don't get it. Well, I mean, when they're fully healthy, it's it's hard I to break up. Not being uh, well, yes, it is. It's super easy. Duclair hasn't been scoring, and for, I mean, like they they're not like that first line. I I'm so tired of hear like hearing how Verhage, Barkov, and Duclair are such a good first line. Barkov's just playing the best he's ever played in his career. That's it. That's why the line's good. But I mean, there is Verhage. Verhage would be just as good with. I mean, like, like Verhage's a fine player. I'm not saying he's only playing good because of Barkov, but he's not playing so good with Barkov that I wouldn't break it up. I mean, they just don't have the finishing skills. They're, like, and I will, I will not give the puck to Barkov enough. It, and that five on five or power play. I mean, five on five. That's Verhage and Duclair's responsibility, uh, and they just don't give him the puck enough. And I will give you this. That's this company. this team, and it is, and I was going to write about it, and life got in the way, but I will say that I wrote about it earlier in the year. Like, why does it feel like this team gets goalied more than any other team in the league? And I'm not watching every team every night, but in most of their losses, you're watching them going. That's a lot of chances they're developing. You'll look at money puck, and you'll look at natural stat trick, and you'll go, "Wait a minute, how are they losing?" And you're going to go, why are they getting goalied all this often? And to your point, this is some of it. And when I wrote that article, the last thing I wrote for the Substacks, of course, which you should all follow, you agreed with me. And this was during that Dallas series where they were getting goalied every other night. You know, and it was and it's one of those things that I do wonder about. And you can change that by adding by adding players, and that was one of the main discussions I wanted to have today, which is focusing on the trade targets, because at this point, you're now basically in the playoffs, but you now need to start thinking about how can we win in the playoffs, and what do we need to get to yeah. win in the playoffs? Start, start thinking about the teams that you're going to annually have to beat if you want to get out of the second round. We're talking about Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, or just four of the teams that you will most likely have to face at least one of those teams to get past the second round. And, and that's, this that's year, halfway and this year to the goal is, of winning a cup. Yeah. It, this year it is almost – I don't want to say it's, it's going to happen, but, I mean, Tampa started to run them. away with it. it. It feels like it's we're getting very close to Carolina-Florida yeah. in the first the, round. The point projections are still close enough where you can't really game plan against one team. You've got to think it could be either team still. Uh, I mean, like if they get into, if they somehow make it to first, then that's a little different because they could play a very bad Chicago team or a or any number of Columbus or Dallas that have not been up to it at this point this season. Now, if they get in the playoffs, that's a different story. But look, look at the top like, six of Carolina. Look at the top six of Tampa. I mean, how they have guys who finish quality chances and guys who don't just put up high volume of chances but like when they shoot they don't take forever to shoot well also i they think there's, some, there's another they're aspect of this they're, they're that making I, best pass you know they're not passing all the way back out or they're passing to the guy who's too far wide taking the lower percentage well shot. the other thing that you notice is i if you can go back and look at the money puck chart for the panther lightning game on sunday and look at where Tampa got all their chances. Where were their quality chances? You know, look at where they are on the ice. Look at where Carolinas are on the ice. When I wrote that article on uh, a while back, 
I compared him directly to Carolina, and the Panthers have, again, high volume of shots. They're very good at expected goals, but the problem is they don't get enough. It's a little bit better in recent games, but they're not getting into the high danger areas. You know, we talk about it's hard to get into high danger areas, but you have the players to generate high danger scoring chances. There's no doubt that they have those players. They can do it. They have the horses name, to make that happen. Name, well, um, I don't – they have the, – like, they have – I don't want to say Sean Bergenheim's because they're much better, but they have got – they have volume shooters. They have possession drivers. They have, you know, good grinders. But, I mean, they don't have anybody who, when they look at the net, they see the open net. When everybody shoots, they see – the goalie, except three. I mean, Barkov, Huberto, Hornquist. I would say are the only real natural goal scorers on the team. Frank Vitrano, uh, sometimes. sometimes. He, has to, he has to be literally be babied and coaxed and whatever for a long time to get him to go in this tiny and little spot. As much as, but and, but, and I agree with you. I, I still and, think Tippett this could team... be, but again, he'll never. He never. He's another guy that needs to be babied and and coaxed and given the exact right. You know, like he has to be playing with Barkov, and he has to be given patience and allowed to just focus and be selfish and just do his thing. Um, to to do that, and that and and until the coach accepts those types of players, uh, or lets that happen. You know, Tippett will never become that. Or, you know, if they go out and get a line A or they go out and get a Forsberg or Malkin or something, it won't matter because Quinville will, you know. Well, I will say that all of those are kind of unrealistic. But I want to focus on – well, Malkin is definitely unrealistic. How is it unrealistic? His wife and his family is in Miami. The the Penguins Penguins are training Evgeny Malkin in the middle of the season. It's not going to happen. Well, no, 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 let's, no, no, let's be serious because I hate when people just brush it off when it literally there's legitimate Penguins beat writers who are saying that he has a one-team no tra- a one-team trade list and it's the Florida Panthers. His family's in Miami all year round and they want him back home. Uh, the Penguins' new gen- general manager, Hextall, is somebody who's known for just starting at the bottom, at the complete bottom start of a rebuild and building slowly. And Brian Burke, when he took over the job, said he doesn't envision this team being good enough to continue worrying about today and building and trying to go win games today. But you're still the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the... No, the, I mean, it, what, I don't understand. Like, then, then you're just saying it's a gut feeling. It based, then that's not realistic, though. A gut feeling isn't realistic. I mean, what's real? Well, is, again, is the would I be the GM. like, what would my level of stunned be if the Penguins traded Evgeny Malkin this season? It would be a thousand out of ten. They because the, the trade line, so, but that doesn't mean it's not realistic. I mean, I, it's it realistic isn't. that it's they've he, he's been in the trade market forever. That it's realistic that the Penguins are rebuilding and would get – and if they had get a good offer, if you're going to give them two first, Owen Tippett, you know uh, – Is a that something that goals? is even out there? The answer to that to me is definitely Why not. not? Why, how, what do you mean it's not out there? There's a – there's legit Pittsburgh Penguins beat reporters saying that the, he has a one-trade team list of 
of the Panthers and his family wants him back. Uh, that, what, that, that doesn't that, mean that, 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 that it's going to happen. Smoke. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it's legitimate smoke. It's it's realistic to be talking about that as an option if if that's if that's being reported by legitimate Penguins beat writers. I haven't seen that report personally. Well, I, I, mean, I haven't. It's been talked about pretty pretty decently uh, online and in online media and like online newspaper. So I mean, again, if it happens, congratulations to you. But I don't think there's any way it happens. I, I just don't. again. Again, it they it has to I mean the we're we're talking about a, a a general manager who's being act Zito who's being rumored to be one of the most active in on the phones right now. There I mean, there's no is, doubt that he's checking I mean, in on a lot, but I, I just I don't think that's where this ends up. Now, if we're talking something like Eric they, Stahl, I think that's I mean, a lot I more likely to happen. But that's not, they don't, Eric Stahl doesn't help them score a goal. Well, what, so you, if you are having to make a decision between getting more center depth or getting Malkin a, is the center, that's both. Well, boom. But you're not going to be trading that. for Evgeny Malkin. It's just not going to Why? happen. They're not doing it because the Penguins, yeah, this is the thing that I disagree with you on. When you're not in the job, you could say, ah, oh, the Penguins should rebuild. And they really probably need to. But also, you still have life with Sidney Crosby, There's and he's probably not going to want to do the trade Malkin rebuild Crosby, thing. They've already started in the offseason. They were already starting the he's gonna he he wants to go to he wants to go he's he's okay with going to another team. Uh, you know he he trains a lot. With it's much team. easier to say uh, that in theory than actually I mean, do it. I, I'm just. No, I, I think all this this that's just a, that's just the loser mentality. It's Zito's job to go out and get better players, and you put the offer in front of them. Malkin has two years left on his contract. If they want to get something for him, and also if they want to not have him taking up a roster spot and everything for the expansion draft coming up, they will move him now because this is the last chance to do it. I again, I want to marry Bar Raffaele. That's probably not going to happen. That, so, that's hey. that's that's such a like that's just so stupid. Like it's not anywhere close to being that absurd. I'm not saying trading. Like you're you're acting like I'm saying trade for Connor McDavid or something. Like come on, this is a realistic thing. Real, I, this, I, that's very real. That's realistic. I I don't agree. With have, you. And like, also, it Panthers doesn't help that he's hurt. Uh, he'll be back in a week. Again, I. If it happens, I mean, it's uh, the same thing with next week's Phil lottery Forth. tickets. They should be going for Phil Forsberg. They should be going for Patrick Line right now. Are you telling me that that's not those aren't realistic? I can. I the definition to me of realistic versus can it have like will they do it is lots of things are possible. I just don't think that you you have to. It's got it takes two to tango. Like are the Blue Jackets really just going to trade Line after they got him? Like, you're dealing with – I know John Tortorella is a hard ass, but you're dealing with Yarmo Kekalainen, and that's a big-time loss you have to take to trade him already. You know, are the Predators going to want to trade Philip Forsberg? Like, I don't know. They, I, open, I don't think I mean, so. They're open to trading everybody, they keep saying. I mean, if they're open – if they keep saying they're open to trade everybody, they're basically saying put an offer on our table that merits trading him. Make us want to trade him. And it's, the Panthers have the ability – and the and the they have the core reaching the right age. They have the prospects and assets 
to go and pay the price and bring in somebody. Do it. It's I don't understand why it's so unrealistic for that to happen. Well, it depends I mean, on the player. The, it depends. I mean, on the, the, situation. the Buffalo Sabers are trying to trade Jack Eichel right now. No. I don't like. You can just meet the asking price for somebody. Bring in somebody. Mm. I mean, Nashville's trying to trade three good defensemen, a couple good forwards. Meet the asking price. Bring somebody in. Anaheim's I... trying to clear house. Meet the asking price on a Richard Raquel, on a Ryan Getzlev, on a Hampus Lindholm. Bring somebody in. Make the team better. Bar- you, you, we literally have two more years of Barkov, including this year. Two, like two runs with Barkov, guaranteed. After that, the, the franchise could be in shambles. The franchise could be back at the bottom and laughing stock again. And you have two chances to c- convince him to re-sign and re-sign at a long-term, reasonable level so you can still get Huberto back, so you can keep Lundell, so you can you know, do all these other things so that uh, Bob Rossi's contract doesn't absolutely kill you down the line. Etc. Etc. You still have Yandel. You know, like at some point, we can't just keep making excuses for these guys. How much money do you think Bill Zito makes? Uh, I have no idea, but it's probably it's his not job that much. to earn that contract, to earn that money, and make the team better. I mean, the, Buff- the Buffalo Sabers GM hasn't been do- making very good moves, and the Buffalo ownership seems to be uh, somebody that can be easily pressured into force, forcing an issue and forcing a, a, an error in a trade, right? Well, I mean, if they're rumored saying, we want four draft picks for Jack Eichel. I mean, everyone says it's not that easy, but every year there's trades that go, that happen, that are that people say, oh, I can't. All the that trades that do happen, there are trades that do not, and I again, I'm not going to but claim again, to be. The, but trades that don't happen, you know that. That's how you know. Then the, you miss your window, and I agree that the Panthers should be should be thinking about moves, and it's clear that Bill Zito is going to do something. What that is, it's probably not trading for Evgeny Malkin. That's a that's then, a prediction from your boy here. But then what? So then what are you saying? So, so what uh, you have to well, I'm, this the other point I'm going to make is if you think that the standard should be training for Evgeny Malkin, then I, I, that, that's just too high a standard. No, the standard, you, should, be, the standard should be trading for a top six score. That should be the standard because that's what they need. That's been the need. And guess what? They're one of the best teams in the NHL. They have one of the best odds on winning the Stanley Cup. They have some of the best possession metrics the team is getting along on ice it's going well i mean I, the we're talk barkov's 25 hubert's 27 ekled's 25 i mean this is it this is it let's go i i don't like it's just so maddening to me that there's literally nobody like this is it this is how teams win. You got to go for it. It, t- it took Tampa how many years of going for it before they finally got it right? It took, you know, how St. Louis how many years of going for it before they finally get it right? You usually, you usually don't get it right. But if you're not I'm looking, not saying that they shouldn't like, go for like, it. I'm, at, I'm not saying that at all. Look at, look at who Toronto tries to bring in. 
They don't. They're they're bringing in Jake Muzzin, T.J. Brody, John Tavares. I mean, like they're bringing in guys. Again, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be trying, and I just Taylor think that they're. I mean, Philip like, Forsberg is a hell of a lot more realistic than Evgeny Malkin. Taylor Hall. I mean, uh, uh, would you want to bring Taylor Hall, perennial loser, into your team that wins? I I want I want to bring in talent. I want to bring in good wingers. I want to bring in guys who have won MVPs. Okay? That's what I want. I, I don't yeah. understand. Like, the, like they got to stop. Like, if you're, if you're picky, yeah, you're not going to get – you're not going to make trades. If, if, if you're going to shoot down everything, if you're not going to everything and all that stuff, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to make it work. You have, like, $18 million in – Deadline cap space. Again, I'm not saying that they shouldn't try, and it seems to me that they're but going to. They have but they I, they have Vin, they have Connolly back on their paycheck, and they still have three and a half in real projected cap space. I mean, they no, they, they can do a lot of things, and I don't disagree with you that Chase should be trying. But I, as I say, let's the best way I can put it is is. Let don't try to force anything that could end up burning you, and also, it's not. How is it going to burn you? Well, what happens if you end up going for uh, any number of trade deadline moves that uh, backfired spectacularly? I'm not saying that it would happen for the Panthers, but I'm saying that. But if they, I mean, like, if they backfire spectacularly, you go. You went (laughs) Trochak. I mean, but that was a different trade. I, here's, yeah, I mean, here's no, I say. no one's saying, yeah, but that. But my 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 point is this: teams are giving away Vincent Trocheks right now. Go, like, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Bill Zito is teams a are general asking. manager. Teams are like, he, he, there's GMs that are worse than Dale Talon or just as bad as D- Dale Talon, saying, "Hey, I'm listening to offers on these types of players." And I'm sure Bill Zito's checked in on that. I'm just saying that one of them is probably not Evgeny Malkin. Anyway, um, speaking of things that are going badly, uh, the Flyers. We should we should transition here. And uh, no, that's another topic that my co-host absolutely loves talking about. Um, I was watching a little last night of that game, and uh, it has really occurred to me in the last like week or two that this team's in deep trouble, and they're in deep trouble for very different reasons than I think we thought. I mean, there's a little Alain Vigneault stuff happening there. Right, there there are some Alavino things that happen when he is in a job for longer than a year and things start to go a little badly. But I didn't think it would go like this, and I apologize to Carter Hart for thinking he was going to win the the uh, Vesna Trophy. That was a that was a bad call. Uh, so you I'll leave. It. I did jinx, and I apologize, Carter. I really like you, and I like your game. Uh, so what? So what went wrong, and why has it gone this badly? Because right now. I mean, there's the potential, great potential they're going to miss the playoffs. And I think right now you would say they're probably not going to make it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see if the Islanders can keep up, if, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, th- that it's a mess, that division. So who knows? My big, the only thing I know about the, the Flyers is, they're they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to kind of be all things in one, 
whether that's you know keeping all of an older core, keeping all of their prospects, they just haven't really made decisions on who are going to be their horses uh, from the from their prospects. Who are the guys in their prime right now that they want to lead the team, uh, and you know who who of the older core are guys that are going to be the veteran support guys and who who can still contribute and who are guys that they have to depart from. And I think, you know, Fletcher has done well in some aspects, but I think he's been kind of Hextall patient in the same way of choosing those guys and and making those decisions. Um, And what you've seen is you've allowed an arrested development, a stagnation period where Sanheim, Myers, Provorov, uh, are either going through growing pains, the ebbs and flows, or not supported enough that they struggle and aren't able to, in a good environment, focus on taking the next step. They just struggle to keep their head above water. Um, and that that's not good for their development. That's not good for putting wins on the board. Uh, and, you know, all of that chaos on the ice is obviously not good for a goalie. Um, and what's, what's with it so gone so wrong with Carter Hart? I, I have to ask he's, that question. He's, it's, it's, I mean, it's a head thing. It, it, he's, so there was so like, there's, turned he had a Mike hole. Matheson. He had like a, well, no, I mean, Mike Matheson turned into a goalie. Goalies are always, have always been like that. And, and the goaltending is very much a mental thing and they go through ebbs and flows. He's a young goalie who's had very good success uh, in the NHL level. And then he was struggling either at home or away. I forget which one it was, you know, he was doing good at one and bad at the other. Uh, and he kind of overcame that. And then he kind of had like a leaky six hole, like under his arm. And that got, kind of got stuck in his head. And I think he adjusted his game so much trying to protect that, that he started letting goals elsewhere. And then from that, it kind of unraveled where he was running from one hole to the next, trying to patch up and trying to, you know, hyper-focus on that. And, you know, he's just going, becoming unglued, unanchored, um, and his consistent parts of his game that got him to the NHL have all kind of faded out. And he needs to rebuild that back up, um, st- find a, a good... Um, you know, strategy and place in the crease that he wants to be. Focus on, you know, just... I I, I think he was... I don't know. um, In reading in some of the Flyers articles, like on Broad Street... um, Broad Street Hockey, yes. And all that. There's a lot of talk about how he's doing... He's doing a lot more of, like, that low Jonathan Quick style, like, tracking... And he used to be more of like a read and react kind of goalie. And I think, you know, he's got to go a little bit more back to his, what brought him to the NHL, his foundation, and build from there um, and see if that helps. But so he's trying to be to something help. that he's not, yeah, basically. Yeah, like Rosky last year, it's not, I don't think it's going to, it's not likely to happen in the season. Like that's kind of like a, you need to kind of work through it this season take a break in the off season, kind of build, break down your game and build it back up again type stuff. So, I mean, I'm not, I dropped them in fantasy. I don't know if 
anyone's going to pick him up or they should. Um, you know, that seems and, unlikely. So, so based on that and the fact that Carter Hart's still their guy, if he's not their guy, they have younger goalies in the prospect pipe that can, you know, they're not panicking at goalie and they shouldn't. So then what should the Flyers do? Nothing. I mean, what they should really do from now, if they can sell off some stuff at the deadline to make expansion draft easier or to get back a pick or whatever, fine. But what they really should do is spend from now until the end of the season and draft day picking their guys. You know, I think it's past time they move past Voracek. I mean, I, I just think the contract and everything, it just gives you more flexibility, gets a voice out of the locker room. It does a lot of things. Um, you know, I think it's time for them to look at the defensemen, pick which of the defensemen they want, Trade the ones they don't want. Look at their forwards. Do they actually like Travis Konechny? Sometimes they pretend like he's literally one of the core pieces. Other times they healthy scratch him. You know, trade him now if he if he's going to be someone that you're just going to healthy scratch to send messages and stuff like that. Um, that kind of stuff they have to make hard decisions. Uh, and because Philadelphia is ready for a team to start winning again. They did the patience thing. They did the rebuild. Um, you have Couturier. You know, you can't do to Couturier what you did to Giroux, which was waste away his prime, and then when he's in his 30s, ask him to do too much. So, you know, maybe it's... Or, you know, they have to make hard choices maybe that hard choice is moving on from a guy like Katori if they really think that they need to really reset the age of their core around a guy you know the Farabees the Frost that kind of stuff you know what and if that's the case then maybe Alan Vigneault is not your coach and it's time to move forward but you know they this year it looked like they were doing their best and it started off well of giving one last kick to the can to the Giroux core, trying to win him one more cup, going for it. Everything was looking good, but once the injuries, once things started going bad, you know, there a lot of things started showing themselves and players who were playing over their head stopped playing over their head. I mean, you look at conversely, at the beginning of the season, the Flyers and the Avs are kind of on the same trajectory, playing really well, starting to get hampered by injuries and, and some of that chaos and outside context stuff. The Avs rose to the occasion. They have been, what, what Sackig's been doing every year has been picking and choosing prospects that he's liked, graduating them up, giving them ice time. Once he hasn't liked, been moving them bringing in other guys. I mean, he's brought in a lot of guys in the middle of their prime. I mean, he paid two seconds for Devin Taves, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Devon Taves, and got sod in. I mean, brought in a guy like Gerard. Uh, he, he's not been afraid to move guys out, uh, you know, so – so you're asking the Flyers to be a little bit more decisive. Yeah, I, think, is I mean what because because when you look at the when you go into the two different locker rooms, when the injuries happened in Colorado, 
guys like Nazem Kadri knew they had the faith of the coach, knew that they could be that next man up, step and replace, get that ice time, be treated the same, uh, and and have that success, and things would continue just as they would, and that they'd be expected to win just as they would if it was somebody else. Uh, and in Philadelphia, what happens is once things started going bad, Alain Vigneault tightened the leash on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connecting, then, then guys start getting punished. Then people start losing faith, confidence in themselves. You know, Lindblom started out well, but as soon as things didn't go well, he couldn't regain that confidence and stuff. Is it because, you know, is it the mix in the locker room? Is it Alain Vigneault? I mean, it's, it's probably a little bit of everything. But, you know, there's yeah. a lot of – I mean, every team has bad luck. Every team has prospects that should have made it that have been hampered by injuries they can't control, like Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom. You know, every team has, you know, had to deal with injuries or COVID or things like that or, you know, has older veterans that, depending on the week, can be enough or – can be a little bit of a drag and you know if you're expecting them to be that first or second layer of scoring if they don't show up that could be the difference between two or three points every week and mm-hmm. that's what's happening with the flyers that's, yeah it, it seems like they, they perfect storm yeah it's it se- you know we always talked about the panthers being caught in the messy middle it seems very much like the flyers are in a different kind of messy middle where they they, they are the middle middle like that messy 14, 15, 16 medal. Uh, so you're talking about the exact dead center mean. Like, you know, like, we talked about the Panthers in the messy like middle. And they, they're not bad start. enough to get the number one overall pick, but they're not good enough to make the playoffs. So what are they doing? The Flyers are in that. Maybe we are the, you know, worst playoff team or the best non-playoff team. But, you know, the problem with being the best non-playoff team now is now you can only move up, what, 10 spots Four in the spot. lobby? Yeah, 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 and I mean, those rules are now official, and they're bad. So congratulations, NHL, you made it worse. They don't count this year, right? They just count. Well, next year. only th- there are only two lotteries this season, two right, lotteries right. instead of three. But the the limit starts, I think, next year, and that's just winning two lotteries. Period. It's not winning two lotteries to get the number one overall pick. So let's say the Flyers are sixteenth, you know, next season, the best non playoff team. They could only move up to sixth, which yeah. is what it is, and that is not obviously yeah. great. But, I mean... Like, I, I know why the league did it. It's still it's still a bad thing, though. I don't like it. But, I mean, I think the Flyers need to not do anything because what they need to be doing is having very hard internal conversations and taking months to game plan it out. But you have two years... Like, you have one more year after this year, Couture on this ridiculous contract. He's 28 years old. You love him fan favorite it would be great to see him retire as a fire and everything but if you're if you're being honest and saying we can't keep compete for a cup in the next three years why why don't you got to trade him because he will get bring you back enough assets to help you pivot and make the team better and then if you're trading Couture, you might as well you know trade a lot of people and then I think those are the things they have to say. I mean, I'm not trading pro over all of her heart, but 
Um, you know, I think Giroux and Couturier, Voracek, some of those guys, it's it's worth having conversations. Or if that convers if those conversations make you feel icky inside and you're not ready for it, you got to commit to how do they make that better? How do you like? Is the message stale with this coach already? You got to bring in a guy like Bruce Boudreaux or somebody to to change it up. Comcast has the money to just pay Vigneault to, to go away. Or are all these old former coaches like Mike Yo, Michelle Tarion, et cetera, on the bench problems, and you can just pay a couple million to bring in some new assistants. Like Comcast has the money, but they have to have these decisions of what do they want to be and make it soon because if they want to be a team to win now, they got to trade prospects to get better. They want to be – if they can't win now, they got to trade the – pretty good core guys they have to focus on the next as i said i think the question is like for for me it's it's the question for some teams of this nature it's like do you want like what is it that you want to do you know yeah. like are the flyers do they want to go for the cup like is this a year like because they're still being linked with like Eckholm yeah. and ellis and you're like okay that's the that's the aspiration of a cup winning team but are they winning the cup if they get to the I mean, playoffs are they gonna win no i don't think so well, i mean can they limp? Can they, if they can make the playoffs and if they have a healthy team and a good heart and they add in a guy like Ryan Ellis? Maybe. Like, I, I don't think, like, that's why, that's why I pro, like, I would maybe make, like, if the last week went better or if, you know this like this last weekend like they couldn't like they didn't really put it together against the islanders um and if like they can't really get it together in the next couple of days like they don't really deserve you going through all the effort like i'd just wait till the off season where maybe the options aren't only ekholm ellis like maybe seth jones becomes an option or something you know what i mean like in the summer a lot more things are or you know i don't like Panthers, they have one direction to go. It's they're peaking. They're peaking. It, you're seeing it. It's all coming together. It's it's just really their appetite and the realistic nature, however you want to argue that, of getting another team to take them up on a trade offer and having that go well and all that stuff afterwards. But it's not really what do they do. It's is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Can they get a good price? Um, for the Flyers, it's there. There's like two or three directions they could go, and they just have to be. And I think the I personally would be fine with any of the directions, but they have to be smart about it and realistic and pick one and go with it because you're keeping the Giroux era core on life support on this team. The Raffles, the Voracek's, the, you know, all of that. And it's not like if you got away from that group, the, the Flyers would suddenly be Devils or Sabres bad. Right. They wouldn't be. They'd still be pretty good. Right. And so, you're going to get, I mean, if you, you know, and it's, but, and I'm, you know, you don't have to trade everybody, but you can do a little. Because, like, what the Flyers are in right now is that they're not in a position where you're, let's say, Nashville where it looks like this group's at the end of its run. You know, like, and, it, and you never can tell when the end is coming. See the Sharks last year. See the Blackhawks when, as I said, 
Hemingway said people go bankrupt gradually then suddenly. That's a great way to describe how sports teams go from being good to bad. Like, the fall is sudden. You don't know necessarily when it's coming. And I'm not saying the Flyers are in that position, but as I said, Nashville is an example. Apparently, like, everybody's up for sale. And they're not going to trade everybody. Obviously, being in the COVID world with a flat cap that apparently isn't going up for a couple years for reasons is, uh, is, is not easy, right? So it adds in another layer to know, like, well, can you really make those trades? Are teams willing to part with some of those are of those assets and does it really does this season of all seasons merit like oh my god tear it down unless you're the buffalo sabers in which case it means you should scorch it but like and that's the other question i have like and i I, think it's a question the flyers have to ask it's a question a lot of teams have to ask unless you're either tampa or toronto or any of the like really really good teams avalanche or if you're one of the truly terrible teams like the, the sabers or the red wings like what have we learned from this season? Is this something that we can take to the future? Because this is not a normal season. And that's yeah, the other and, thing and that I think that is, I, is complicating the Flyers discussion, at least a little bit for me, is, well, is this season really the real Flyers? Or did the pandemic screw it up to a point where we really don't know? And should well, you want to wait another year? Can you afford to wait another year? I, 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 don't, definitely... I don't know the answer to that. I definitely think that this is the real flyers are this. They're very success. They're very high octane, energetic, passionate team with a solid identity when they're playing right. But they're also highly flawed when agitated. They remind me more of the Pittsburgh Penguins team they used to infuriate in the playoffs than they do of So what you're telling me is they remind you of those early 2010s Penguins teams that were trying to get back to win the Cup and never could. They kind of remind – so you're – Now, I'm not saying Couturier's Crosby or anything. No, no, but but I mean like that team that always had those guys. They had Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, But they never, no matter what they tried, were able to get back to winning the Cup in 2009. And it took seven years before they won the cup again or the capitals who were always there, but always found a way to screw up in the playoffs. Right. You know, or the sharks. That's another good example of a team that was always there, but for one reason or another, always found a way to screw up or the, or the blues before they finally won it. Right. You know, there's a number of teams in the league. I mean, you could have said that a little bit about Tampa, but I think that's a a tiny bit different. Like there are a bunch of teams in the league that had really good groups but for one reason or another, always screwed up at the playoffs. You can always kind of say the Leafs are this team right now, although they're a little bit younger. You know, the Flyers are not any of that. But I, part of me just wonders if, like, if this is the season you want to judge them on. You know, because you could say these are probably the real Flyers, and I, and I wouldn't disagree with you entirely. But I think it comes for a lot of different teams when trying to judge, like, what trades are you going to make, what decisions are you going to make, is... Like, how much do you really want to go full-down, scorched-earth rebuild in a situation as we are in because the pandemic has really changed the dynamic in a way that is so different, especially with an expansion draft coming and, and many of these other factors? You know, as I said, unless you're the Red Wings or the Sabres or the Senators, or unless you're Tampa, you know, or one of the truly elite teams in the league, then I think it makes it really hard to decide what to do, you know? The Anaheim discussion is fascinating because they've got players like Hampus Lindholm and Ricard Raquel and players like that I think everybody in the league would want. 
but are you going to get full value for them if you traded them now? I as opposed to doing it in a world where things are a little bit more normal and also like you're the Ducks, you've got some decent looking young players that are coming into the fold, right? As they do. Yeah, I mean and, the but and the, the thing is, have a little of that that's, too. It's, it's a hard decision. That's it's a hard you, decision. That that's why you need. There's three. There's a there's a handful of teams that, if they want to, can step up and really increase their odds for a Stanley Cup by putting an offer on the table that Murray has. You know, if Murray took to his owner, he's going to have to accept. And that's what you're going to do. I mean. So basically, is it, you're you're kind it's of saying like this is the contender. This is a contender's market, basically. Yeah, I mean, and, and I can kind thing, of see it's, that. It's the same thing with this draft. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how the 2022 draft picks have more value than 2021 because GMs feel like if I'm getting a 2022 draft pick, I'll have more time and I'll be able to scout them in a more normal year versus a 2021 where. I don't know what a 2021 first round, you know, which is but terribly. There are I know video scouting teams, ain't great, but come on, folks. Yeah, but there are some teams that are going the other way that are seeing that 2021 draft picks are going to have more value because teams are taking less of an interest. Teams are being more cautious with it, and that there's going to be more NHLers available later in that draft because guys just aren't doing their homework because guys are sleeping on it. Etc. And I think that's going to be the same thing. This draft, if there is a team that is aggressive enough with serious offers on the table, I think that they could maybe pressure a team to take it because the only pressure is going to come from that one offer. They're, you know, they're not going to have to then once they're like, oh yeah, we're interested, but then outbid two or other two or three other teams. You know, like. If I'm the Edmonton Oilers or if I'm Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm I'm looking around my division and I'm thinking, I got a pretty good chance to go far in the playoffs right now if I make a good move. The difference with them is the is the quarantine at the border. That's the other issue. And yeah. I understand that. But again, if I'm making this move for the playoffs, I can take yeah, the point. Yeah, I mean like and, I, I and I'm thinking there are teams that could that could in theory do that. Yeah, and um, but, but, but I mean, the 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 avalanche i mean the avalanche got their got a goalie i you know they needed to get that i'm not i the avalanche are definitely going to probably add somewhere else they are definitely thinking they have to play four rounds this year and uh i wouldn't be surprised if they aren't still looking at teams if you're looking at teams that like have to win this year you know, have to before, you know, the Piper comes cap situation. You know, Colorado's one of them. Tampa doesn't really need to add because they're getting Kucherov. So, you know, great play, great playoff acquisition. You know, they're, they're arguably their best player that isn't Andre Vasilevsky is coming in for the playoffs. And they're going to have the cap issues going forward. But the Lightning are the Lightning. But you're talking about, you know, uh, the Islanders are going to do something, obviously, because they lost Anders Lee. You know, I, I think the Leafs and the Oilers got to try yeah, and do something. But, I mean, I think they're, they're going to be more – like, I think Lou's gonna, and the Islanders are going to be more ancillary parts. But 
I, don't, I mean, I, I, I don't think I so. Think that not, there not, are... not, not when you're number one in the division and you know how close Vegas, you came last year. Vegas, if Vegas is. makes a trade, it's going to, they're going to at least make a couple trades for names that you're going to be like, wow, I didn't think that guy was available. And that's what that's when I say like it's incumbent on Zito to go out and get this guy. Or if Fletcher's told, you know, to make it work or to to move guys, it's incumbent on Fletcher to go out and get and get the best deal or to to get the guy he's told to get. Um, you know, it's incumbent to go out and shake these guys loose. GMs don't want to trade good players, but they're not. They're not saying they're listening to on these guys because they're bored. They're saying it because at, there's part of them that also knows that they should trade them, and you gotta sell. Do your sales pitch and say, you know, this is who I'm giving you. This is why you should make that move, and yada yada. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, like that's it is it is an interesting because we're already hearing about how this trade deadline might be quiet, and yet we could see. You know, not the volume, but we could see I, something fairly yeah. big from. I mean, I, I think, I mean, St. Louis. I would watch out for them. They've had the a, only difference I see with the Blues is that that team is so injured. So many good players are hurt. Like, part I, of me wonders, like, you know, they're getting Tarasenko I, back, and that's that's helpful. But you know, I, you know, a player that I think every team should be interested in. I, I, there's yeah. one player as we start to wrap this up that I want to ask you about because it's a player that is getting a lot of love, and I think is an interesting player. Um, that is probably going to get traded. And that's Arizona's Connor Garland. He's not super high level, not Philip Forsberg, but he is making no money. He is Arbright's next year, RFA. Um, his numbers are always good. He has 25 points in 32 games this season, 9 and 16. You know, has a lot of potential, I think. What, what would you talk? What would you think about him? I know Boston's interesting to play for the Junior Bruins. That's the that's the type of player that you get when you know the other names don't go through. But that's like that. Those are players who Zito should be looking to bring in. I mean, if he no traded one, for Connor Garland, I would be very yeah, happy with. No him. one's gonna say that Connor Garland doesn't score goals. No one's gonna say that he doesn't have a natural inclination to finding the net and to get and creating if high danger. If you can score chance. on the Arizona Coyotes, who are pathologically opposed to scoring goals, that yeah, is the kind and of plus listen. He's a, and, and he will not cost anywhere near as much as Philip Forsberg, what have you. If 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 Connor Garland is their only move. I would be perfectly okay with that. I'm just saying right. that that's but, the kind of player. But to me, that... that's kind of the baseline of what needs to be brought in. I mean, you don't know how many chances you get at the can. That, this that's, could, the other, this, that's the other thing that I agree if, with you if on. We're, if we're talking about how many trade deadlines the Panthers go into with a Sasha Barkov and Jonathan Huberto playing this well and an Aaron Eckblad playing this well, I – you maybe get two more, maybe. Do you want to sit it out? Do you want to not put everything into it? I mean, this is why, I'm, like, this is what we've been saying. You know, for 20 years we've been waiting for a deadline where we felt like this. And I'm not Listen, saying I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think and I'm not that... saying you know throw in a whole bunch of money to go get somebody who passed their prime and, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I'm not saying throwing it at first to get a Mark Stahl, but 
well, pfft, Jesus, no. Right. But, but I'm, I'm saying, like, the, the, the thing is, Bill Zito seems like somebody who has a plan, is willing to execute on a plan, and has a vision of what he wants. And I'm saying, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to force it. He's going to know what the market is and then pounce. That's how he got all of these players on really good deals, because he read the situation pretty well. And I think that that helps. And, you know, like, Connor Garland, if you added him in, it's fine. Like, he could be a Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow type. Like, that's what Tampa needed, and they had the assets to go out and make those deals, and that's what good teams do. They know, here's exactly what I need. I've pinpointed this little thing. You know, I've pinpointed this area where we could use a little bit more of something. And Bill Zito, this offseason, did a lot of that. He added a lot of things that this team did not have. And a lot of his moves, as we can say, worked out pretty well. So I think he's going to do that at the trade deadline. I also think he knows that he wants to build up a prospect system, and he wants this team to be basically self-sustainable. I think that's his model, right? You know how, again, he took advantage of a draft where he didn't have a very high pick and still drafted arguably one of the more promising players in the draft in Lindell, right? We can say that. And I think that's what Bill Zito, that's that kind of model he wants. You know, he knows I have a chance to attract players, but I want this team to be as self-sustainable as possible. We can keep winning, you know, on our own without having to go through, you know, any sort of like rebuild. That's why this team, which was kind of stuck in neutral, had one, like I was listening to some podcasts. We're going to end this shortly, but let's circle back to this very point. I was listening to podcasts and like people were wondering, why are the Panthers this good? And... I, my point was, like, Barkoff, Huberto, and Ekblad were always really good. But the gravity of the team was always so much tilted towards the bottom end of the roster, which Dale Talon never got right, other than his first year as G, uh, 2011-12 and 15-16. And I argue 15-16 was a lot more gallant coaching and Luongo having his last great season than anything that, you know, that uh, Talon did in many regards. Talon put the core pieces in place. He put Barkov, Huberno, and Ekblad in place. And those are hard pieces to put in place. But he was never able to get the rest of it right. And so last year, what did we talk about all the time? The gravity of the roster was so tilted towards the bottom end. Like, what happens after Barkov, Huberno, and Dadanoff play? You get nothing. What happens after Ekblad and Uyghur go off the ice? You have nothing. So what's happened this year? Bill Zito brought in a bunch of pretty good players. And some of whom are playing arguably over their heads. But a lot of them are playing basically what you would expect them to play. You've put them in positions to succeed, and then they succeeded. And so Barkov, Huberto, and Ekblad's greatness raises the level of the team because the gravity of the situation is not tilted towards, you know, Dominic, Tony Notto, and Brian Boyle and any other numbers of players. We yelled at all the time in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I mean... Well, I'm saying, like, that's why not... they're good now. I'm saying yeah, that's why they're good they're now. Not... They, but the level of the team you got to grow at go the up. same you got to grow at the same rate as your core. I mean that's yeah. the key and it's hard. It's listen, winning a Stanley Cup's hard, but it. if you want to be in the race, you got to do really well and you got to got to try. I I think Bill Zito in many ways is one of those GMs that says, "Yeah, we're going to reward our core group for doing what they did." You know, I think that's something he, and you know ownership has no money issues. That's not their problem right now. So they'll spend. They want to win. Remember what happened after fifteen sixteen? That was all because somebody got a little too overeager and wanted to win. You know, I think that they can pull something off. And if there's any general manager you trust to pull off that that move right now, you know, you, you, I would trust Bill Zito to get it right. 
because he's in on everything. He's making the phone calls. He's doing Hopefully. the due diligence, as you said. I, th- I mean, again, we'll, we'll see. This is – this. I mean – It is an interesting it, stretch for the Panthers right now because it kind of determines, like, what is that major need? Like, does that mean I go after a center harder than I go after a winger because I don't know how long Barkov's out for? Because I'm assuming he'll no, – whatever no, it I is, mean, he's back for the playoffs. I think you go – I think you're going for both, man. I mean, oh, I'm I think not, you can I, – I, I think – if I'm Bill Zito, I'm feeling very uncomfortable with the forwards I went into the season with. And I knew I was walking on thin ice doing that. But I didn't realize the problem was going to be the team was too good and I got to quickly find more forwards. But that's that's the position he's in. He needs yeah, to quickly I mean... find multiple forwards because – it's clear accused not huge on wall strain, and I don't know why. Well, no, Lindbergh's doing okay and everything. Lindell's coming. Um, you can't but, yeah. throw Lindell into the to the to the right. I mean, you, you you can throw him into the ice time and everything, but you're right. You're not going to throw him in, and he's not going to improve the center situation. So yeah, you got to Eric Stahl. Fine, great. He's going to be cheap enough, or Riley Nash, or whatever. You know, whatever center. We're, okay, so as we end this. Let but me then ask you still got to get a winger, too. Yeah, l- well, let me ask you one question. What, then, is the combination you want? Do you want higher-end center and lower-end winger? I want or would high, you go- high. I want, I'm pushing. Well, if you had to make I've, a choice, if you had to no take choice. a little off of one. Well, I'm not taking a little off. The, I'm paying this- both. They have, uh, like, you know, like, I don't. thought exercises with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. Like they, I don't understand how they would run out of things to add on to keep getting both. Well, whatever the case may be, it you know, because animated... in, in in that hypothetical, you're saying you have four trades on the table: a good, a high end center and a lower center, a high end winger and a lower center, a lower winger. You can only do a match of two. I would, I mean, but if winger. They need, I mean, goal score. Whether it's a center or winger, it would be. I would pay the, I would pay the price. The primary person is somebody who's going to score me the most amount of goals right now and is a natural goal scorer. Okay, I mean, and I then, don't disagree and then with you. you. Do, and then you patch in the rest. Okay, yeah. I, I, if, again, if I had to choose it that way, that's how I do mm-hmm. it. I listen. I, I I think that he's he's looking at it. He's definitely looking at it. Yeah, so I mean, we, I'd be, I'd be dangling every first round pick you, every first round pick you have, every first round pick you've taken. I'd be dangling. Well, maybe not know, Lundell. B but... prospect. Well, okay, yeah, Lundell and one of Knight and Levy. That that's that's my no trade list. Besides eleven, sixteen, and five. And fifty, I'll keep fifty-two. Yeah, you got to keep Weger. You got, you, we have to keep. Other, other, other than that, like, I'll trade. Obviously, they're not trading Hornquist, so that doesn't no. even matter. Well, yeah. I mean, like, there are there are guys on there that I I can see that. It, we'll, we'll see. But I, I mean, like Dennis Anko. Like, if you're saying is Dennis Anko going to stop me from making a trade? No, he's not. I don't think so. I don't because, think so at this point. I mean, Quinville's shown no real appetite to use him. He's played three games this year in the AH. He's played four games in the AHL. He's played three games in the NHL. That's all he's played this year. Has he really you, only played that few games in the NHL? Yeah, Ebo Niemi's played six games this year. 
uh, you know. Well, that, again, some of that has to do with yeah, the, but the pandemic. Get, but but the, that's the, this is their prime development, and they're not getting games last year. They're not getting games this year. Maybe you do just trade them and take a player that you know is going to be playing now. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm sure that that's not their, the, the thought process, but whatever the case but may be. I'm just saying my thought process is if I'm being asked, Denisenko or no, I'm not holding on to Denisenko because I've, there's no reason to. If it's going to get me a guy like, you know, who I think is a 40-goal scorer. You're not, you're not totally out of off base there. So that is this and week's. I'm, yeah, not Mike Hoffman. We're not talking Mike Hoffman. We're talking yeah, no. a legit goal scorer here. Yeah, well, Mike Hoffman, you know, let's not go down that road again. So that is a Why Hockey This Week. Very animated discussions, but it's an animated time in the hockey world. Uh, the only other thing I guess we can mention is uh, congratulations to the Avalanche. You're healthy and you're now Harlem Globetrotter and everybody. No surprise. Yeah, they're five on five. I mean, they That's look a like a team. Up. They look like uh, they look like a soccer team that is playing against the other team that is saying we don't want the ball. We'll defend for ninety minutes. It's the closest I've ever seen to that. It, it's gonna hockey. it's gonna be different in the playoffs. See, oh, because they're not gonna play the Coyotes every night. Well, yeah, but I mean, they have perfected their main style of play. They have been able to do it through injuries, playing guys in different positions. Um, and, you know, they've made Jacob McDonald look good. They've made... Panthers legend Jacob McDonald to you. Yeah. I uh, still think he should have played more that year, but... He probably uh, should have because he was not, better than and, most... And again, not saying he's anything other than an NHL tweener, but that's what they had back then. Yeah, that's uh. what they had. They don't have many NHL... Well, you, yeah. you are correct about that. You are not wrong by any stretch. So, I mean, but congratulations to him. Every, every, I mean, Taves and, went from the Islanders power play and look and like 30 some points. And now he, without power play time, is going to be sitting at 50 some points. What about points. Sam Girard, who people are talking it, up as a, as a contender to win the, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely shown that he's not. I think he's, to me, he's a. I, if I was going to trade for a defenseman, I'd trade for him over Byram. Like, not saying Byram can't reach that one day or whatever, but, you know, it's McCarr then him. He's second on that totem pole now, I think. And uh, Is that I, not I, a little funny to you, uh, you know? I mean, it's when you look at that Duchesne trade tree, it's... Oh, it's, God, it gets worse. It gets worse. It's like what Nashville gave up to get Torres and Duchesne. What Ottawa, I mean, Ottawa made out fine, like, you know, and then Ottawa, you know, Ottawa lost a little bit in all that trade, but then they did the same thing back to San Jose with the Carlson trade, so they made out fine anyway. But yeah, it's um, wild. Yeah, but that's wild what wild and crazy kids. Yeah, and see, Nashville's issue is they they went after the wrong guys, and they weren't yep. a team that should be making their play they didn't have a number one center they didn't have a number well, they can't center. identify centers period yeah so i mean with florida everything lines up to go for it i mean you get the only thing you don't want to do is get pure rentals i mean spend a lot to get pure rentals if you're spending a third round pick to get a 
an Eric, you know, if you're spending a second round pick or something to get an Eric Stahl, that that's a fine rental because you need that center matchup, or at least. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying yeah, but, like do anything beyond like. Yeah, but I mean, I just they. Okay, you're not wrong. You're you're not everything wrong. Everything is saying go for it. I mean, they got the core is the right age. They're playing well. And listen, they look I, like I, they got a hill. They look like they have a realistic hill to climb in the playoffs. Like they can beat Tampa. Tampa's not impervious to early round action. They they have and and they can they, beat both of those teams. I'm they, not saying that they can't. It's going to be difficult, and it's going to be more difficult if you don't give yourself that chance. But as I said, I do think it's very likely that they make that move. I, I think that they're going to they're going to push it. They're they're going to. But again, Bill Zito is also good at knowing when do I go all in, when do I not go all in, and how do I keep managing my assets well so that I don't, you know, screw myself down the line. You know, yeah. I he mean, came from the Columbus organization that they did a very good job of that. Yeah. I mean, the the thing I I'll say with the Panthers is I I don't think I think that they're full they they're stocked enough where it would take maybe two or three of those types of go-for trades before you they would see negative effect. As I said, the other thing that helps them is, uh, you know, their first draft, the first Bill Zito draft, was, was pretty good, you know, and that was with limited, you know, ability to do the things I think that he probably wanted to do. You know, if you're a team that knows how to draft and develop well and find those players then you shouldn't be too concerned about trading some draft picks away. Like, I'd like them to probably not trade the first, but if they traded their second to get somebody, I'm well, not going to I mean, I would – my thing is, I, uh, you know me, I would not – I usually say don't trade the first. But this year, I would trade the first because the way I look at it is back half of the first, given how dis- – the wide discrepancy between all the draft lists and everything, I can probably get my guy or the guy right after him on my draft list with my second round pick because it's going to be 30 some picks each team's going to go but each team's going to be working on such a different list like the top 15 is made up of 20 different 25 different people so you know like you could you can really trade a first round pick this year if you aren't sold on like one guy like if you're not into like one guy you'd be like oh I trust my scouts let's trade back mm-hmm yeah, you're you're not entirely wrong. I don't think that there's a, that that's entirely wrong. The only you're, the only first round I would say don't trade is 2023. Yeah, we're already hearing about that draft. That has a couple high end players. Bednard in the WHL. I think he's almost at like three points per game in his first like 20 WHL games or something. And he's an exceptional status player, so he's 15. Uh, and then there's uh, Matt V. Uh, in Russia, uh, he's looked pretty good. Um, we're, so he, and, we're already you know, thinking 2003, the, 2015, well, 2023. I mean, if you're looking at the Panthers, if 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 it if you go for it now or whatever, or if, and it doesn't work out, or if Barkov leaves and he or if you you know and they leave and you have to start over, it's around that. It's that draft that it would be. You know, I will say that uh, the odds of them. I will say if I'm asking about the odds of them leaving, and I think we can end it here. It doesn't seem that likely to me that they're going. 
I don't. I no. Nope. Stop. No. No. That is. It. What if they have? They literally have the Islanders playoffs again. He's out. He's gone. Hundred percent. I don't. I don't. They, I don't agree they, with if that. They, if they. If they shit the bed in the playoffs this year, I think his agent is being very standoffish in negotiations this summer. Is asking for a lot. Like bring in this guy, bring in that guy. We want you know because. He's only so young. I mean, like, he's a nice kid and guy and everything, but he's gonna want to win. And if they have a, if they, they're playing two teams that know Florida very well. Tampa and Carolina have coaches that do their research. Rod Brindamore knows exactly what to do to shut down this new Florida team's uh, breakout and all that stuff. Not in general, this exact year's team. Like, he's already studied the film. He's already figured it out. John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, have already figured it out. They got to respond. They got to beat those teams. If not, they could. It could be a four-one, pretty easy, no fight back playoff series again. And if that happens, it's going to be very hard to resign these guys. Hubert on I, 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 again, we've already had one argument on this show. Let's hold off and. But I mean, let let's be honest. He doesn't care about the regular season he doesn't care that they had a good regular season and like you know in in a division that's not going to be the division next year with where you play where he's going to have to play other teams outside the division next year and stuff i mean this regular season isn't going to be something that you can project out for success in the future but this playoff series is how they handle against tampa and carolina is and that's how he's going to look at it he's a smart guy so i think you have to you have to win. You have to win, and you have to be. You have to look capable of winning in the playoffs, or you have no shot at signing these guys. That's how you have to look at it. And until they start winning in the playoffs, I'm scared to death. He's he's walking. I again, we'll have another discussion on that in the future. Again, thank you for listening to another beautiful Y Hockey podcast. I will try to get a guest show next week. I promise. I've been trying, hasn't worked out, but I promise you will get that. Until then, good night and good hockey.